Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room, one in which we're going to look back a little bit at a few things, but we're most certainly going to be looking forward as well. We're going to start with cricket, because at the moment, uh, between the cricket and the rugby, you can decide which one is your favourite sport. For me, they're both equally as important, and the reason I say that is because I support both sports with great vigour and have been for an awful long time. So I'm lucky enough to be old enough, which maybe some things not not the greatest, but I am lucky enough to be old enough to have said that I was at the first Cricket World Cup and the first Rugby World Cup that South Africa participated since the 1994 readmission to the world. Well, it actually was readmission earlier than that because we went to the 92 Cricket World Cup. And I sat in the stand in the press area on the beautiful day in South Africa in 1995, when we won the Cricket World Cup, and Nelson Mandela, president at the time, walked out wearing the Springbok jersey with France's number on the back. That was a day I will never, ever forget, as well as the aeroplane flying over Ellis Park. Anyway, I'm just now starting to reminisce on, thank goodness my brain still allows me to go back that far. But yeah, we'll get to that when we get closer to the World Cup final. I'll tell you about my stories regarding both the Cricket and the Rugby World Cup finals that South Africa have been in well cricket we haven't got to the final yet but anyway let's have a look at what happened yesterday um and a magnificent i have to say magnificent performance by the proteas an all-round performance because uh not only did they back very well and i say very well because i think towards the end they did lose their way a little and i think by me saying that i don't want to sound like i am being negative towards the team and i'm being greedy. I mean, they won by an awful long way. But what I am a little concerned about, if anything, is the last five overs where normally we really get on top of the bowling. We didn't. So 311 should have been 380, the way South Africa were going. Um, And in another game, perhaps against a team that's in a better state of mind than Australia, those 311 might not have been enough. But I am delighted at the way South Africa played. I'm delighted at the way South Africa have gone about their business. They've gone along quietly. They are now obviously going to have a tag and a target on their back by virtue of the fact that after two games, they've had two huge victories, two World Cup winners in Sri Lanka and Australia. However, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about yesterday's game, shall we? And uh, the standouts, of course, uh, back-to-back centuries for Quinton de Kock. South Africa, 311 for seven, and then an all-round bowling performance of notes, getting Australia out for 177. And again, please don't think that I'm being critical, but when you look at the situation that South Africa were in with regards to their batting, they went from 158 for two after 28 overs and ended up at 311 for seven when the fifth wicket fell at 267. In the 43rd over, there was seven overs, just six overs and five balls remaining. You would expect South Africa to push on at least 80. Um, so from 263 for four, get those 80 runs, which would have taken them to about 325. Um, and in fact, from the 44th over, they were at 267. They lost a further two wickets and only ended on 311. I say only ended on 311 for seven. In the end, it turned out to be way more than they needed. And then the same applies to the bowling, because if you look at the Australian situation, I mean, 27 for 1, 27 for 2, 50 for 3, 56 for 4, 65 for 5, 
70 for 6. The game was dead and buried at 70 for 6, but they still added another 107 runs for the loss of their last four wickets, um, which in the end didn't make any difference because South Africa's net run rate is so much better than anybody else's at the moment. However, in situations where you get a team at 70 for 6, they should be out for less than 100. Let's be perfectly honest. Um but that's just me being greedy. I'm being greedy. You know, you always want to be better. So if anything, that's what they can improve on. Kahisa well, Rabada can't improve on an outstanding performance. Three for 33 in eight overs. He was at his imperious best. Marco Janssen's two for 54 in seven. One for 18 from Lungi and Kiri. Now, the one for 18 in eight overs does not tell you how well he actually bowled. Um, they used him as an opener, and he just looks bigger and fitter than he's ever been. And he bowled his heart out. He completely strangled the Australian batsman. So that one for 18 and eight overs with two maidens is an outstanding performance. He didn't pick up enough wickets to make those figures look wonderful, but the the, the performance was brilliant. The figures don't show how good he bowled. And then um, perhaps Tabray Shamsi's two for 38. He got two wickets at the end. Maharaja's two for 30 of 10. Brilliant performance by him. As I say, the pick of the bowlers, Kahisa Rabada, 3 for 33 in his spell. Brilliant performance by South Africa. Magnificent victory. And uh, this really has put Australia in a very, very difficult predicament with regards to their continued participation in the Cricket World Cup. Because, of course, they've now played two and lost two. So let's have a look at the table which everybody's now played two matches. There's lots of matches this weekend, one in particular that's happening tomorrow that I'd like to talk about in depth. South Africa top with New Zealand, India, and Pakistan. At the moment, those four teams are the four unbeaten teams. Tomorrow, that will change. reason for that is India play Pakistan. We'll get onto that in a moment. Then, of course, at the bottom of the table, Afghanistan and Australia, along with Sri Lanka and the Netherlands, everybody's played two games. They have no points whatsoever. And Australia's biggest problem is a minus 1.846 net run rate, as opposed to South Africa's 2.36. The top of the table, 1.958 for New Zealand, 1.5 for India, and 0.927 for Pakistan. So what are the weekend fixtures? I'll give those fixtures to you. It's New Zealand against Bangladesh. Um, that's currently on as well. We speak India against Pakistan tomorrow, England against Afghanistan on Sunday, and Monday, the two teams that are yet to get off the mark, Australia and Sri Lanka. So one of those two teams, of course, Rain Asana, will have played three matches and will have no points. The other will have played three matches and will have picked up two points. But, as I say, the focus and the attention of the World Cup and outside of the final, will be the game tomorrow. Okay, so listen to this. The 132,000-seater capacity stadium, 11,000 police officers will be on duty for Pakistan versus India. Now, buoyed by their record run chase, Babar Azam's Pakistan are on the hunt for their first ever, listen to this, first ever World Cup win over India. Now, they are bitter adversaries and only play against each other in international tournaments due to a long-standing political tension between the countries. Any meeting between them raises fan interest with 
billions watching around the globe in a bonanza for broadcasters and sponsors. Fans desperate to watch the match have even booked beds in city hospital wards after hotel rooms ran out. So they've signed up for health checks and overnight stays in private hospitals. The accommodation is a cheaper option, with some hotels hiking their rates by as much as 10 times. Both teams remain unbeaten coming into the match in Ahmedabad's Narendra Modi Stadium, which is named after the Indian Prime Minister. Pakistan's first match after the World Cup record chase of 345 against Sri Lanka with wicketkeeper batsman Mohammad Rizwan scoring an unbeaten 131 and Abdullah Shafiq making 113. Pakistan will boast a fiery bowling attack led by the left armour, Shaheen Shah Afrid, but they still conceded 344 runs to the Sri Lankans in their win. Now, security concerns saw the match brought forward today from its original date, which coincided with a major Hindu festival in the city. As I say, 11,000 police officers. That's about one police officer for every 11 spectators if the game is sold out, which it is. And media reports that scalpers, ticket touts, are asking eight times the original price for tickets. India came into the World Cup as the top-ranked ODI team, lived up to the billing of tournament favourites with a six-wicket win over five-time winners Australia. They are fresh from the eight-wicket thrashing of Afghanistan after skipper Rohit Sharma smashed a record seventh World Cup century during the week. Now, national pride is definitely at stake. Top-ranked ODI batsman Azam is yet to fire and scored a 5 and 10 in Pakistan's two victories. Pakistan never won against India in the World Cup in seven outings since 1990. Previous loss was by 89 runs in a rain-hit match in the 2019 edition in Manchester. Now, I went to India versus Pakistan in the 1999 Cricket World Cup in England. It was an experience second to none. I have never been in a stadium, and I've been in stadiums. I mean, I was at the World Cup final in 1992 with 90,000 people at the MCG. Um, It was a cauldron of noise like you have never heard. Because although it has changed now, the, the reason it's changed so much is because of the IPL. So players are now no longer just fans of the Indian and Pakistani spectators by virtue of the country they play for. They're also, of course, I mean, when A.B. de Villiers was playing in the IPL, you would hear 100,000 people chanting A.B., A.B., A.B. They know Heinrich Klaassen, they know the Australians, of course they know the Indians. So in those days, um, what would happen was if India, for example, in a game where they played in front of their home fans, somebody hit the ball to the boundary, you would hear unbelievable roars and raucous applause. When the opposition scored a four, you would think there was nobody in the stadium. But since the IPL and the fact that a lot of these players are now more recognizable by virtue of the IPL teams that they play for, that seems to have gone away. So you can imagine when India and Pakistan play. So now if India score a boundary, the Indian fans roar. If Pakistan take a wicket, which if it was in India in front of an Indian crowd and no Pakistanis were there, there would be dead silence. Now you've got the Pakistanis who will be making noise. So it's going to be a cauldron of noise. It's going to be an incredible, incredible spectacle to start with. Now, 
There's also been a bit of issue with journalists from Pakistan. They've arrived in India for the match. Delays in their visa approvals saw them miss the team's opening two games, the journalists. So there's all sorts of drama between these two countries. The history goes back many, many years, but the history of them playing on the cricket field, as I mentioned, the only time that they do is in big tournaments like this World Cup. And hey... It's going to be fantastic. Let's uh, hope for a game where there's no drama in terms of any issues with 132,000 spectators. Can you imagine? 132,000 spectators. It's just unthinkable. It will be a world record, uh, which will be held both these teams in the match tomorrow. And very evenly matched, I might say. The only thing is that the Pakistanis occasionally go a little bit off the boil for whatever reason. Um, I think psychologically the Indians have got one over them. There's obviously a couple of names that you would think are most certainly going to be, you know, the likes of Virat Kohli, one or two others, Shahid Shah Freedy, um, Baba Azam, magnificent players, magnificent, magnificent players. Anyway, so that is tomorrow's game. Big, big, big game in the Cricket World Cup. Looking forward to that one. And then, as I mentioned, and I will repeat it for you, the other matches coming up over the next couple of days at the World Cup. Uh, By the time we get to next week, everybody will have played three or even four games. So tomorrow, India-Pakistan. Sunday, it's England against Bangladesh. And then Monday, that massive clash for both Australia and Sri Lanka. One of those two are going to be pointless after three games. Okay, so let's turn our attention now, shall we, to some of the other sporting action that's going to be happening over the course of the weekend. Uh, Football is uh, in a break at the moment, the Premier League and all the other leagues around the world due to international activities. And tonight, I haven't mentioned it yet, but does it bother you that it's Friday the 13th? It doesn't bother me. Anyway, um, so Friday the 13th, tonight, lots of matches in the European Championship qualifiers. Estonia play Azerbaijan. In fact, that game is on as we speak. Kicked off at 6 o'clock local time. Liechtenstein play Bosnia-Herzegovina tonight at quarter to nine. Uh, Republic of Ireland play Greece at the same time as do Austria play Belgium. Netherlands play France. What a game that promises to be. The Dutch against the French. Unbelievable. These two sides are meeting in a European qualifying championship game. Tremendous, tremendous form that both these teams go in. Of course, clash of two of European giants um, who, as I say, sometimes can play out of their skin and sometimes can be absolutely terrible. Uh, We'll see how they go this evening. That is the Netherlands against France. There's also Portugal against Slovakia and Iceland against Luxembourg tonight. Uh, Then tomorrow, it's the Ukraine against North Macedonia, Northern Ireland against San Marino, Slovenia against Finland, Bulgaria against Lithuania, Denmark against Kazakhstan, Italy against Malta, and Hungary against Serbia. I'm going to be honest with you, outside of tonight's uh, match between the Dutch and the French, I don't really see any game that jumps out at me tomorrow. Um, None of those games, I mean, I'm obviously not from either of those or any of those countries, so I guess if you're a Hungarian or an Italian, it'll be big for you. But it's not really like two big sides like the Netherlands and France playing tonight. Then on Sunday, a whole lot of other matches that teams that haven't played this weekend yet. Georgia plays Cyprus at 3 o'clock, just one game on Sunday afternoon. Then on Sunday evening at 6, Switzerland against Belarus, Czech Republic against the Faroe Islands, 
Wales against Croatia. Croatia always a really, really good team in uh, big competitions. Turkey play Latvia. The game between Kosovo and Israel has been postponed due to the conflict currently on in the Middle East. Norway plays Spain. Romania play Andorra. And Poland play Moldova. Again, no game that really jumps out at me. Most probably the biggest game is uh, Wales-Croatia. Then on Monday, uh, Azerbaijan play Austria. Belgium play Sweden. Good game that'll be. Iceland play Liechtenstein. Bosnia-Herzegovina play Portugal. Luxembourg play Slovakia. Greece play the Netherlands. And Gibraltar play the Republic of Ireland. And the matches rounded off on Tuesday when Finland play Kazakhstan. Lithuania play Hungary. Serbia play Montenegro. Malta play Ukraine. San Marino play Denmark. England, Italy. Wow. What a game that promises to be. Quarter to nine on Tuesday evening at Wembley. England against Italy. Massive clash, possibly outside of the Netherlands, France, the biggest clash of the weekend in terms of worldwide appeal. And then Northern Ireland against Slovenia, the, the last of the round of matches on Tuesday evening. And then next week, we're back to the Premier League. So we look forward to some fantastic uh, football over the weekend in the European Championships and uh, a couple of results already from teams that have played. And last night, Norway away from home beat Cyprus by four goals to nil. Spain got revenge over Scotland. They beat them 2-0. Belarus and Romania, boring goalless draw. The Faroe Islands lost at home to Poland 2-0. Croatia lost to Turkey 1-0. Huge result for Turkey. Uh, remember, of course, that they uh, have got football World Cup, uh, the FIFA World Cup Euros as well, going to Turkey a couple of years' time. Andorra 0, Kosovo 3, Albania 3, Czech Republic 0. And Latvia to Armenia, no. Okay, so that's the football out the way. Now let's move to what is a rugby weekend that we are going to remember for an awful long time. So the Springboks have named their team for Sunday night's clash. Massive game against the hosts, France. It's very interesting. Um you know that only two teams have ever won the World Cup while hosting it. And that's New Zealand and South Africa. So the French, well, if history is anything to go by and matches against South Africa, it should be victory for South Africa. But it's going to be a titanic, titanic battle. I'm sure you uh, want to know what the South African team looks like. The French team yet to be confirmed. But South Africa looks like this. Damien Willemser at fullback. Kurt Lee Aronser and the unbelievably talented Cheslin Colby, the two wings. Jesse Creel and Damien D'Alendi, the center pairing. Marnie Lubbock starts at number 10. Here's the, well, I say surprise. Here's the one that's caught my attention. Kurbus Reinach is at Scrumhoff. And then Dwayne Vermeulen. Peter Steff de Toy and Sia Colisi, the eighth man in the two flanks. Franco Mostert and Eben Etzebeth will lock the scrum behind Franz Malherba, Bongi and Bonambi, and Stephen Kitchell. They've gone for a 5 3 traditional split on the bench. Dion Fourie is the replacement hooker. Oxenche and Vincent Koch. No Trevor and Yakani on the bench at all. Erges Sneeman. Quacha Smith, and then the backs, Faf de Klag, Andre Pollard, and Vili LaRue. 
you know, Keith is the referee. Kickoff on Sunday is at nine o'clock, and that will be the last of the four quarterfinals. So, who plays who this weekend? If you've been living in a bubble and you don't know, let me remind you that the fixtures are as follows. Tomorrow evening, it starts at five o'clock South African time when Wales from the Northern Hemisphere take on the Southern Hemisphere, Argentina. Now, most people would have thought that it would have been Argentina, Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand amongst the quarterfinalists, amongst the eight. No, it's not to be, because from the Southern Hemisphere, it's Argentina and Fiji, along with New Zealand and South Africa, Australia out. They're doing terribly on the cricket field. They've been booted out of the Rugby World Cup because they played terrible rugby. Um, so a lot of uh, post-mortems are going to happen in Australia. Right. Uh, Wales-Argentina, that is the first game. So how have these sides shaped up? Their form guide in the last five matches. Wales beat Georgia. They beat Australia. They beat Portugal. They beat Fiji. They lost to the Springboks. Massive loss, 52-16. Four out of five they've won going into the game. That's the same for the Argentinians. Also four out of five, they've beaten Japan, Chile, Samoa. They lost to England, and they beat Spain. So if you look at the competition, I guess you could say they've evenly matched in terms of the strength of the competition they've played coming into this game. Um, they've had one previous meeting in November 2022 where the Welsh beat them by 20 points to 13 in their head-to-heads. They take each other on in the Orange Velodrome in the first quarterfinal tomorrow evening at 5 o'clock. Then the second quarterfinal is easily could be the final, as is the fourth quarterfinal, which we've already spoken about briefly, but we will get to. Ireland against New Zealand. So Ireland, New Zealand, France and South Africa, two of those four teams will no longer be in the Rugby World Cup on Sunday night. And it's terribly sad that the top four sides in the world, two of them are going to go out and the bottom half of the rankings, four of those sides are sitting in the quarterfinals due to the way that the situation with rankings and when the draw was made, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully that's all going to be sorted out and changed. Tomorrow evening, nine o'clock, all rugby fans around the world at the Stade de France. It's Ireland against New Zealand. What a clash that promises to be. The former number one team in the world, the team that's won the Rugby World Cup on a number of occasions against the Irish, who've never progressed past the quarterfinals at a World Cup. That's a staggering statistic. So Ireland go into the game as the number one rugby team in the world. They did beat the Springboks. Let's have a look at their last couple of matches. And they go into this, um, which is quite amazing when you think about it because they go into the game with a better record than the All Blacks. That's almost unheard of. So they go into the game having beaten Scotland comprehensively in their last game, 36-14. They beat the Springboks, the number two team in the world, by 13 points to eight. They beat Tonga 59. So they beat Romania 82-8 and Samoa 17-13. With regards to All Blacks, they've not had the best of times. They've lost two out of the last five, Uruguay 73-0, they beat Italy 96-17 and Namibia 
So you would expect them to beat those teams, but they lost to France 27-13 in the opening game of the World Cup. And before that, they were comprehensively beaten, a record score, in fact, for the Springboks against the, the All Blacks, 35-7. So they go in with three wins over Uruguay, Italy, and Namibia. Ireland go in with wins over Scotland and the Springboks, and they're the number one team in the world. And I guess they will have more supporters in the stadium tomorrow night than New Zealand by virtue of the fact that it's a quick hop across the ocean. Well, not the ocean, just a quick hop across the canal, the channel, and they are in France. Then the other two games on Sunday, England against Fiji. Well, England have been average. They beat Samoa by a point. They hammered Chile 71-0. Japan 34-12. They beat Argentina 27-10. And they lost to Fiji before the World Cup 30-22, which I think will give the Fijians a huge boost. Then Fiji lost by a point to Portugal in the last game uh, that they just needed a point from to get through and knock Australia out. They beat Georgia 17-12. They beat Australia 22-15. They lost to Wales 32-26. And they beat England the last time they met 22 points to 30. Uh, they won that game. So they go into the game tomorrow to Fiji at the Orange Velodrome with their backs up, with their confidence high. But I just think England are going to be a bit too strong for them going into that one. And then finally, the South African game against the Springboks. We've spoken about the team. The South African form guy, they've just lost one, one against Ireland in their last five. The French have not lost in their last five matches so they will most definitely be putting up a huge fight. They will have all the support in the world behind them as they go into this match. So what are my predictions? My predictions are South Africa to win by a couple of points against France. I think England will beat Fiji. I think the All Blacks will pull one over the Irish, which means we could meet the All Blacks in the final. And I think Wales are going to be too strong for Argentina. But I do give Argentina an outside hope. And I think that one is most probably the game that's the most difficult to call in terms of form. I don't think any of the other games, the Ireland-New Zealand game and the Springboks-France game, there's going to be a point or two in it. And I hope that the referees are not going to be the centre of attention or the TMOs or some ridiculous decision when somebody goes in for a tackle and happens to clash heads accidentally and they take it as dangerous play and they send players off the field that is tonight's edition of from the boardroom to the locker room hope you have a fantastic sporting weekend hopefully your team will come out victorious the problem is that that's not going to be the case for everybody because none of us support the same team do we well in south africa the majority are behind the Springboks. There are quite a few people in South Africa who still support New Zealand. I might add, I've seen a few New Zealand jerseys being worn by South Africans. Traitors. No, not really. You have your choice. That's tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Until next time, be nice to each other. Bye for now.